The VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. The VO Meter is brought to you by VoiceActorWebsites.com Vocal Booth to Go PodcastDemos.com Global Voice Acting Academy JMC Demos and IPDTL And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Today is going to be a bit of a hodgepodge. We're doing things a little bit differently. We're going to be featuring an interview with Jim Kennelly and Sam Ufert from Lotus Productions in New York City. And I met them as part of my trip to the Vocation Conference a couple of uh, weeks ago. And we're going to talk about my experiences there and play some audio from the show. And Sean's going to speak a little bit about his experience at VO North and play some audio from that show. So before we do any of that, we'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors. So let me tell you about Podcast Demos. Tim's team has produced over 1,000 podcast intros for some of the biggest podcasts on the planet. Each demo includes custom-written scripts and hand-selected music and is guaranteed to showcase your voice and talent in the best light possible. With a finger on the pulse of what podcast producers want, you can be sure your podcast demo will sound professional, current, and competitive. Now, we talked about this a lot, but Tim actually produced Paul's and my podcast demos, and all we can say is that he and his team were absolutely amazing. His scriptwriter created original scripts perfect for my voice and personality, as well as reflective of current popular podcast genres. I recorded in the comfort of my own home studio, and Tim worked his mastering magic. The whole process only took a couple of days, and I couldn't be more pleased. Tim is a consummate pro, and so easy to work with. Thank you, Tim, and Podcast Demos. All right, so as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about our experiences at the two conferences we went to over the last couple of weeks. Before I get to that, let's talk about another one of our sponsors. So Vocal Booth to Go has been, uh, actually they're our first sponsor of the show, and they've been with us for several years now. Vocal Booth to Go's patented acoustic blankets are an effective alternative to expensive soundproofing. It's often used by vocal and voiceover professionals, engineers, and studios as an affordable soundproofing and absorption solution. We make your environment quieter for less. So I was representing this show as both a podcast correspondent, I think is what we called it, and also uh, was there as a guest speaker at Vocation NYC, which took place on September 13th through the 15th on the Upper West Side of New York City at the Leonard Nimoy Talia Symphony Center. It was a small venue that's actually a working theater. In fact, the first night... I was conducting an interview with Jamie, I think it was. Um, Jamie Muffett was, the, was one of the co-organizers, as well as Karen Gilfrey. So I was talking to Jamie backstage, and this lady came up with a couple of hangers in her hand and said, where's the, the actor entrance? Uh, I'm about to go on. And I said, there's no show here tonight. We're, we're having a, an event. And she said, oh, there's a show going on. So at, there was actually in the theater portion, which obviously I wasn't aware of, giving bad information, uh, an actual performance going on that night, and we were just in the the back part of the theater doing our our pre-party and then eventually moved to the restaurant for a pre-registration event of the conference. So it was kind of interesting to be in a working theater in New York City having this event. So anyway, it was called Vocation, and it was because it was all about the business of voiceover. In fact, that was their, their tagline for the show. It was all the things that are involved in running a business as a voiceover talent, things you may not think about, like marketing, um, business planning, networking, which is what I was speaking about, negotiating prices and, and contracts, 
all the things that are so important to the business, but a lot of people don't think about or get exposed to when they go to some of the conferences that are more, let's say, performance or acting based, or maybe even technical, talking about setting up a studio or those types of things. And I've talked to Gerald Griffith at Bio Atlanta about this, how the most popular courses whenever somebody has a conference are the ones that are performance-based because everybody wants to learn how to do characters with Bob Bergen. Everybody wants to go learn how to do promo with Joe Cipriano. It's much less sort of fashionable to want to go talk about business planning. It's just the way it works. It's human nature. You want to go to the exciting things. So that's why this conference was so great because all of the, the sessions were around business making and how to, how to run your business as an entrepreneur. And I really appreciated that. So as I said, I was a presenter and my session was on networking. And it's a presentation I developed kind of out of a blog post I wrote a couple of months ago, or sorry, years ago now, called Everything You Learned About Networking You Actually Learned in High School. And I equate going to meet people at an event uh, to things that you did at either a high school dance or, or a pep rally or a homecoming dance where you had to be in an uncomfortable situation and make the best out of it by meeting people. So I'm not going to spill all of my secrets because I'm actually doing the same presentation at another event coming up in the spring we talked about. <laughs> so go register for that if you want to see it. But that was, that was my spiel. And I had a, a pretty full room, actually. People were standing in the back and some sitting on the floor because there was not enough room. So the turnout wow. was great. And I really was appreciative of the people that were there to sort of experience and cheer me on. And I'm especially grateful. I might mention this in the past episode to the volunteers I called out in in the um, <laughs> in, in the room. So some of my old friends like Melissa Exelberth and um, Tracy Lindley, who was on the show, both jumped up and were eager to volunteer. So I really appreciate their help. So then other sessions that I really enjoyed, um, Karen Gilfrey, who was one of the hosts that I mentioned, she's a voice talent based in New York City. She had a, a session on pay-to-play marketing and all the things she does to maximize her time on pay-to-play pay sites and how she books them, still the majority of her work from there. And that was really eye-opening. And then Maria Pendolino, who is a, a voice talent out of New York City, had a fabulous session on negotiation tactics and uh, what she called the, uh, I think it was the Terror Dome? Yeah, and so she did this presentation and then welcomed everybody to jump in on these case studies uh, where we, she presented a, a list of possible job specs and then asked someone to come up and volunteer what they would charge for that job based on the specs or lack thereof, and then two people at a time. So she called it the Terror Dome, where one person would, would offer their, their pricing and usage structure, and another person would do the same. And if they were different, we talk about why, they, why one person chose one set of usage rules, why one person set a certain number of spots, and it was really eye-opening because a lot of things you don't think about going into a quote, you really should. And it'll help you from the beginning of your business, learn how to not price yourself out of the market and also earn a good living. So all those things were fantastic. Jamie was a moderator for a lot of the, the uh, sessions, as was Karin, and they both did a great job. And the cast of characters there that were just uh, there to attend was, was really impressive. And it was the inaugural conference, but I think it's going to happen again because it seemed like it was a rousing success. So congratulations to Jamie and Karn, and I look forward to seeing you next year. Awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. And like you were saying with your conversation with Gerald, I remember even him and um, some people on the, the GVA staff were kind of lamenting. It's like everyone says 
they want more more business and marketing education. But when the proof is in the pudding, you know, or people are just putting all of their conference dollars towards the performance stuff. So mm -hmm. it was really good, like you said, to have everyone be all on the same page from the get go and just have a conference that's completely devoted to those aspects that are as important, if not more important than the performance stuff. Because like we've constantly talked about before, and we actually talked about at a workout uh, yesterday with, with uh, animation actor Brian Summer, having being an extremely talented actor is still only one piece of the puzzle. You still need to be a consummate professional in like in how you conduct your business because that is what's going to get people to remember you. Because they're like, ah, oh, remember who is super easy to work with? Paul. You know who always gets his stuff on, in on time? Sean. You know who always does this? They want to work with like-minded people who are going to get the job done quickly and are going to have fun doing it. So... If you ever have an opportunity to either do, do a marketing class or to do an event dedicated to it, like this conference, then I highly recommend it. Yeah, and two other things I want to mention, two other panels. There was a casting panel, which included our upcoming guest, Sam Euphred from Lotus. And there was a panel on AI, hosted by our other guest, Jim Kennelly. And they talked about, well, specifically the AI, AI panel was all about how the computers are not coming to steal our jobs in spite of the latest Terminator movie coming out. Hell, there is still a future in voiceover, and you'll hear some audio from both Jim and Hugh Edwards from Gravy for the Brain, who was also on that panel, about how things aren't as doom and gloom as you may think. So listen for that audio coming up in the show. And as our good friend of the podcast, Pat Fraley, says, until the computer gets as good at acting as an actual actor, we still have a job. So... <laughs> Uh, once that happens, though, I must salute and praise our new robot overlords. <laughs> but anyways, until that happens, we're going to be merrily talking to ourselves and our padded cells for a, a little bit longer, I hope. Mm -hmm. So, Sean, tell so, us about uh, your time north of the border. So before I talk about VO North, I just wanted to talk about one of our great sponsors, Kevin Leach over at IPDTL. So, IPDTL, in case you didn't know, is the cost-effective ISDN replacement. It's perfect for interviews, outside broadcast, and of course, voiceover. There's no special hardware or software required. It works anywhere with an internet connection. It has a wonderful monthly or annual subscription plans, and it runs right in the Chrome web browser. And the best part is, it just works. So thank you, Kevin Leach and IPDTL, for continuing to sponsor and power the podcast. Well, I had a wonderful time. So first off, let me preface this by saying that um, I was sicker than a dog when I went there. I had a horrible case of the flu, and it definitely, like, kind of— and I felt so guilty about going to a voiceover conference because I did not want to get anyone else sick. I did mm -hmm. not want to be patient zero at a voiceover conference. But anyway, so I, I tried to be, I tried to avoid physical contact with anyone. I would just do like fist or elbow bumps if people wanted to shake my hand. Uh, I had like hand sanitizer and like a whole cocktail of a uh, whole pharmacy of cold meds and stuff like that to keep my symptoms at bay. So despite being sicker than a dog, I still had a wonderful time. And I, there was just so many things that I really appreciated about the, the conference. I mean, first off, the size. It was much smaller. It was about, I think, 200 talent in uh, guests total. Definitely about half the size is something is like VO Atlanta. And um, it all took place in one building. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of like running around and, uh, and stuff like that. I thought it was pretty well organized. And what I really loved is that 
a lot of the guests were some of the big names that we've seen at, say, some of the larger conferences like uh, VO Atlanta or Mavo. But this was a much more accessible cost, an accessible location for people in the East Coast, people in Canada. And so I, I just love that Durbla, Trainer, and Tanya Buchanan were knowledgeable and accommodating enough to try and bring these wonderful resources to talent who might not otherwise have access to it. They had a wonderful little uh, studio space where I got to drool over some mics and some cool acoustic products like the Aston Halo. They had a number of popular microphones set up like the Neumann TLM-103 and the Sennheiser 416, the Rode NT1, the AT4040, the Harlan Hogan VO1A. So they really kind of, they gave you a very fair representation of different mics at different price points that were definitely serviceable for, for VO. And I believe that that was sponsored by Long and McQuaid and Steinberg, uh, or Yamaha Steinberg, who also had some of their cool products, some of their interfaces and preamps that we were able to look at. And it was really funny. Uh, there was a number of talent in there who were asking the engineers uh, questions about the mics, and I could tell one of them was getting a little swamped. So I totally took over, and I was like, well, you see, the Neumann TLM-103 is like milk chocolate. It's great, man. This is why it's good, like, you know? And so and the, the guy at the table was about to stand up, and he's like, meh, Sean's got it. So, I mean, so that was fun. And then uh, GVAA, or Global Voice Acting Academy, had a great presence there. Uh, David Rosenthal led a number of workshops on how to find the fun in auditioning and how to bring your best self and your best performances to it, because that will just increase your chances of booking. And uh, really just coming from a point of positivity and, and having fun with it, because bringing your unique self to every audition you do is what is most likely to get you booked for that job. So we talked about that. And then David Toback was part of two panels. One was sort of on VO essentials, the things that you need to focus on if you want to do well in your career. Like for example, the, the sort of the order of operations, right? Getting training, getting your marketing materials in order, having a professionally made demo and website before you even pursue clients. So the, the sort of the, uh, the essential steps required to get to a place of success right from the beginning. And so I was very proud of both of them. And I kind of, I, I was attending their panels and taking video and audio for the event. And of course, promoting GVAA at our booth in the exhibit hall. And there were a number of great presentations. I myself personally benefited from the, uh, we had a wonderful presentation on sort of e-learning and telephony that was led by uh, some great talent like Liz Denesnera. And so we learned about some of the technical requirements for telephony and IVR work, as well as some of the performance requirements for more like e-learning based content and sort of finding that, finding that middle ground where it's like instructional, but with personality and not over the top, things like that. And I got to spend a lot of great downtime with some of these guests, like uh, our good buddy, George Whittem. He was telling me what he's been up to, some of his exciting projects. We talked gear, and he gave me some great encouragement about my own voiceover progress. And he took me out to my first vegan junk food joint. So that was really <laughs> fun. Um, what? Yeah, I had a, what is yeah, vegan had, junk food? No, it's, I mean, hey, I had a vegan bacon double cheeseburger, and it was delicious. I don't, it could be made from magic and fairy dust for all I care, <laughs> but it was delicious. And so thank you. I told you this already, George, but thank you for getting me to expand my horizons in that regard. I had a lot of fun with you and Graham Spicer at that restaurant. So that was pretty much like that large diatribe was pretty much everything that I did at VO North. 
And I, I think it's great. Like it's, we've gotten to this point where some, a lot of people are actually complaining about the number of voiceover conferences. I admit there's a lot to keep track of, but the important thing is you don't have to go to all of them. I highly don't recommend that at all. There's going to be a lot of crossover and in, in, in repeated information if you do that, and you might not get a full return on your investment if that's where you're spending all of your VO business dollars. But I do think it is important to make a point to go to maybe one or even two very different conferences each year just to learn more about industry trends and, of course, to kind of get out of the booth and reconnect with your, your colleagues and peers. Because that, I mean, honestly, that experience can motivate you to do well in your business for an entire year. So if nothing else, if you can afford it and it makes sense with your business plan, I highly recommend going to a conference. Well, at this point, it's almost hard not to be able to find one within driving distance too, between VO Atlanta, between Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver, VO North, Vocation, the various mini WovoCons, WovoCon itself, um, Sovas. There's so many that there's probably one within a six-hour drive or five-hour drive of you if you look hard enough. Yeah, I mean, I know they've, like you said, they've got them on on the east and the west coast now. Like, we've got one in the north. We've got one in the south. So pretty much do your research. If you're curious, Paul and I have presented at a number of them, so we could probably give you the lowdown on whether it's worth your time. But yeah, don't be afraid to go. They're so much fun. And you will reap rewards. It may not be immediate, but... It comes. I just got an audition from somebody I met at a conference five minutes ago. Absolutely. I've gotten on uh, I've gotten on casting rosters this way. I've gotten one-off projects this way. And it's funny, Paul and I have a bit of like, it's the only time we really feel like celebrities because everyone tells us how great the VO meter is. But <laughs> we, we really do appreciate it. And it's the whole reason why we do this, right? Because we want to help people and help them make or avoid some of the mistakes that we've made or that we've seen others make. And this is actually the last point that I wanna make before we move on, is that at these conferences, one thing that agents, that demo producers, that casting directors all talked about again and again and again is do not shortchange yourself by taking shortcuts, okay? Invest in your training, invest in professional demos and marketing materials because until you are to that point, they do not want to work with you, okay? So, and you are just shooting yourself in the foot and you are not going to get the results that you want if you try to take shortcuts. Granted, there are ways that you can save money. For example, building a relationship with, with coaches and producers and stuff like that and perhaps working out in agree like payment agreements or getting uh, or getting used equipment or discounted equipment, things like that. There are ways to save money, but don't go for the most, the cheapest solution just because that's easiest in the short term, because you're just shortchanging your progress. So as promised, we're gonna play some audio from both of our trips to the two various conferences, and then we'll get back to our interview with Jim and Sam from Lotus Productions. Walgreens, because it's flu season, you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. 
Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. All right, so we are live at Vocation 2019, the inaugural conference, and I'm here with co-founder Jamie Muffet. Jamie, how are you feeling going into the conference? Are you, have you gotten over the pregame jitters, or are you still getting things together? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pregame jitters were probably every day leading up to today. <laughs> and I think today, now I'm in the city, now all the stuff's here, we're in the venue, and everything's, all the bags are packed, literally, we're ready to go. I'm, I'm calm, cool as a people. And there's pretty much nothing else you can do at this point. If you're not ready by now, you never will be, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so there's, no, there's nothing I can do, even if I was to ever say. Not to jinx you. I'd imagine it's kind of like, I haven't organized a conference myself, but I imagine it's kind of like your own wedding. I know you're married as, as well, just like me. And people say, stop and make sure you, you look around and appreciate things. But until you get in that position and the things are actually rolling, it's hard to get to that point. Yeah, everything is anticipation up until this point. And now people are arriving. We are very early. What time is it? It's like 5.30. 5.30. Yeah, so we're, people are here and now everything is set. There's not as much to do, which is great, you know, but uh, it's hard to get out of that mindset of, oh, I've got six million things to do, you know, like now everything's ready, now now I can calm down. Karen's out there working the registration table, so she's busy. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, and uh, I guess I have to just look around and appreciate what the work we've put in and see the fruits of it. We are back at Vocation 2019 with uh, East Coast talent again, Keith Norton. Keith, welcome back to the East Coast. How are things uh, progressing for you? Things are good. It's been a quick two months since I've been back in California. So you, you lived in California doing VO for a while. Yep. And how did that come about? And then why are you back? So I, uh, I started in VO in San Francisco. I went to Voice One, which is a really good training program in San Francisco. And I took as many classes as I possibly could and got really comfy and really excited and fell in love with it. And uh, started my career out there. Uh, got some agents, got some work. I uh, did things with Google, with the Warriors, uh, with Dunlop Guitars, and an eclectic bunch of startups and, and small companies like that. Um, my day job actually brought me back to the East Coast. I actually am a professional fundraiser for Stanford University. So they wanted me out here. I happily said yes. I'm actually from here. Uh, so I, get to came, I got to come home. Fantastic. And now you're here at the inaugural Vocation Conference. What are you hoping to get out of this, this conference? A couple things. Uh, there are still some uh, elements of the tech side of the business that I am a little fuzzy on, and I wanted to be able to go and focus on that. Um, some reminders. You know, we get a lot of really good habits that last a little, little while, and then they kind of go away. And so I want to be reminded of some of those good habits. And then try to go and build a network, a community within New York. One of the things I loved about San Francisco is a terrific community within the voice acting space. And being a new guy, you know, I don't have many friends out here that are in the VO business, and so I want to be able to build that here, too. Okay, we're now back live at Vocation 2019, and we just finished the presentation by Maria Pendolino on negotiation tactics. Was it actually called Negotiation Ninja? Uh, no, uh, Negotiation for Voice Actors. Okay. I said that I'm a Negotiation Ninja. I have not yes. trademarked that yet. <laughs> well, you should get on that right away. Did you talk to Rob? He was in the audience, wasn't he? Rob yeah. Sikampaglia? Yeah. So I really enjoyed the session. What, what were your takeaways from it? I took away that... 
I think there were a lot of times that I heard people in the audience kind of saying like, ooh or ah, like it was something that they hadn't thought about. So, you know, if I can help people think about things that they hadn't thought about before or something that they didn't know about or they didn't know that that was a question that they should have asked, I'm really glad to, you know, bring that ounce of enlightenment to someone as they're building their business. But also I think it benefits all of us. Like I really truly believe that the more that we all work together um, and share this kind of information, like it truly does benefit the entire industry. And I like the way you, you said, even if you're a stone cold beginner, and we said, we saw at the end where they're giving out some, some door prizes, that somebody just started on Friday, their yes. first job. Yes. It really makes sense to get with this from the get-go, right? Yes. If you think about it as a business person and think of your voiceover career as a business from day one, you can make decisions today in your first day as a voiceover actor that help protect the interests of the voice actor business that you want to run, the voice actor that you want to be. So if you're thinking smart today, even if you're not booking yet or you're auditioning or whatever, you know, you can be protecting the interests of your career of where it would be at three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and make decisions today that will give you the longevity that you need. That's really what it's all about because you really don't know at this point what you don't know. I know I've been Correct. burned because I didn't have this kind of information when I first started. There wasn't a vocation 2014. Yes. And, and I got, I've been burned. And yeah. I, I wish I'd known the information and you put out today. There then. weren't online rate guides in 2014. So if you didn't know or trust someone that you could ask to bounce an idea off of or three people, you know, if you didn't have your own voiceover actor fo focus group, there weren't resources out there. Now there are resources. We're talking about it at conferences. I think as a voice actor day, today, if you're educating yourself, there's no excuse to not take the time to educate yourself with the resources that are out there so that you can be making good decisions. Okay, we're back at the Vocation 2019 floor. We're at the main hall getting ready for J. Michael Collins' keynote speech. I'm here with Bill Larson, who is the VO talent, and also public address announcer for my Philadelphia Eagles. So yeah, go birds. Yeah, go birds. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. Welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. So you were here last night with me at, at, at the pre-party. Oh, yeah. What's been your favorite part of the conference so far, and what are you looking forward to next? So my favorite part so far has just been meeting people from all over. And what I've gotten out of it most is the globalization of what we do. No, you know, no longer is it just having an agent and getting what they feed you. It's going all over, finding your own thing, whether it's in this country or even abroad. Okay. So I dig that very much. And then are you going to any breakout sessions or what's your agenda for the rest of the weekend? So the rest of the weekend, definitely pay to play. I'm going to do that. Audiobooks is something I really want to look into. Uh, and then the agent. Uh, the agent group, panel. The oh, agent the panel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be exciting. That's now, right. Are you here um, all the way through tomorrow night? I am. Fantastic. I'm, I'm in it to win it. Okay, so we are back live at Vocation 2019. We're at the picnic at Riverside Park. And I'm joined by Jim Kennelly and Hugh Edwards. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah, me too. So tell me a little bit about what you're enjoying about the conference so far. Uh, Jim, why don't you start? For me, uh, we're always interested in meeting new talents. So having a one-on-one -on -one experience here has given me as a producer and as a, someone who casts every day an opportunity to get to know talent a little closer. And I think that uh, when I cast specifically, that's to my advantage. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, this is a really intimate conference. Um, unlike a lot of them that are really massive and kind of slightly impersonal, this one you can see the whites of people's eyes and there's a lot of personal relationships going on. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite special actually. Um, and because the focus is just about business, it doesn't feel like there's been any kind of padding going on. You know, there's right. people are here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to 
help their businesses grow. And I think they're getting value for their money here. That's great. So both of you were part of the AI panel last night. Jimmy, you yeah. were the moderator, and mm -hmm. Hugh, you were one of the panelists. Mm. What, was, uh, what was surprising about either questions from the audience or that came up from the other panelists? What did you think, Hugh? Well, I mean, the future of AI, I think we should clarify that we were really talking about voice and TTS in AI as opposed to AI in general. But, but the general feeling of the, the voiceover public, I think, is that people are a bit scared because there's a lack of knowledge and the unknown is always a bit scary. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that the panel did pretty well actually was reassure them that this isn't the end of the world. You know, It may change and we may have to adapt a little bit, but as human beings, we're always gonna evolve. You know, I mean, you look at, look at Uber and what happened there, the taxi industry went crazy for about a year and then Lyft came along and everything rebalanced. And you know, it will be the same when driverless cars come along and it'll be the same when TTS properly takes off humans will readdress the balance somehow. So I think people don't need to be as scared as they feel. You know, the robots aren't coming to take all our jobs, basically. It's going to evolve, and it'll be different. But that, that was my main thing that mm -hmm. I felt right. happened in that panel. Yep, that was the goal of the panel, was to educate people that the future of voiceovers is bright, that AI is a standalone industry, and that the voiceover industry will still exist and evolve, but we're going to integrate or augment your voiceover career with synthetic voices, with new opportunities and new platforms to work on. So mm -hmm. we really wanted to get across that it, it's good news. Me, me and Rupa had an idea for like a mid on stage, right, which on we've stage. been talking about afterwards. <laughs> about how we can actually commoditize our own voices with TTS, you know, and become less of a service industry while still doing the jobs that we want. So I think march over to the U.S. Patent Office and, and file it right away? Sure, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> I've, got, I've got someone doing that right now. Um, but no, I mean, it's, th there aren't that many people who can do it um, in terms of building the tech to be able to go and do it. But because we're at the very start of the industry, no one can see what potential opportunities there are yet. And I promise you there will be some because there's loads of bright cookies around. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a platform shift to voice and it's the story is just beginning. So it's important to get educated about what's happening, the people who are the players, and then in time, introduce to yourself to them and build on your career. Mm. I really like your analogy here, the, the taxi reference, because I've taken a taxi four times so far on this trip. And you know, every time I looked at Uber and the taxi was cheaper, so yeah, they're yeah. still surviving. Exactly. I, I mean, all the different areas of AI, not just voice, are going to change things radically. But these things are supplemental to our life. They're not core to our life. And human voice is something that is core to our life, you know. And mm -hmm. even if TTS takes over in a big way for a little while, there will be a reaction to it and people will want humans to do things again. Right. So we may end up, you know, changing the, the types of jobs or the approach of jobs or the way we get jobs or whatever, but the voice industry will still be there. Oh, yeah. Voice is all going to be about choice. The personalization of apps is going to create new opportunities for talents. It's going to be great. All right. So I'm here with Tim Walsh from Atlas. Correct. We just finished the representation panel. How was that for you, and were there any surprises? Uh, it was really good. Uh, I was surprised that the amount of people making demos that are not necessary, especially when you're first starting out. You know, I think that you need to really, and this is just my opinion, uh, focus on one genre, and then build. Because if you if you're putting your you know, you have many hats in different arenas, you're not going to be good at one thing. So I always say, you know, focus on commercials, do well there, then focus on promo or focus on narration. So baby steps to move on. If you're making a demo right off the bat, 
when you don't even know what your instrument sounds like, you don't have representation in that area, I think it's a kind of a bit of a waste of money. So do you feel like people in general, even experienced talent, are too demo happy? And Because the trend now from least demo producers is make a demo for everything. Every freaking genre there is. If you're represented by an agency, talk to the agent first and say, do you need me to have a demo? In the commercial world, for me, I don't need a demo. I just need pieces of work. So I have booked many talent off of just auditions that I've had that somebody wanted to hear something, I sent that in. A demo is a way to get you in the door. Um, so, But if you have a good booth and you can make a demo, sure, do that. Just don't lie about it. Just say, I made this myself. It's not produced. I know in the promo world and the narration world, you do need a demo to kind of break in. But most agents are not just going to sign somebody that doesn't have the background already on it and starting out just to do narrations or animation or documentaries. Okay. Something I asked uh, Phil a second ago, uh, Phil Sutphin, we, we were talking about how the audience seemed to have a lot of the same questions that you probably hear all the time, mm -hmm. every day anyway. Do you think talent, especially new talent, get into this paralysis by analysis where like, they're really overthinking things? Uh, I do, especially new talent that I sign. I think that the biggest thing they, they have to do is, I didn't book yet, I haven't booked yet, I haven't booked yet. You know, we understand if you're new to this, it's gonna take a hot second before you book. We're trying to work with you. You're trying to get, we're trying to get to know you. You're trying to get to know us. You're also trying to get to know the casting directors, the producers, the different auditions that you're doing. So we, I always tell talent when I'm signing them first off, I'm like, I don't expect you to book within the first year. So take that off the plate. I'm not going to drop you. As long as you're doing the auditions, if you're sending them back on time, you're respectable, you know, all that kind of jazz. And the, the biggest question I always get to is how to get an agent. It's, it's luck. It really is luck at <laughs> being in the right place at the right time or knowing the right people. Right. Something that I thought was really opening about what you said was how you like drop-ins and people trying to not necessarily contact you every day, but at least remind you that they're there. Correct. Can that go too far? It can go too far. You know, a drop-in to me is not a meeting. It's, you know, coming up, seeing me in the office wave, I'm like, hey, Tim, how was your weekend? How was your day? I'm like, great, how was yours? It's not coming down, sitting down with me. You know, that, if you want to have that, you have every right to, you have to set up a meeting time with me. You know, you don't know if I'm in the middle of five other things that have right. due line, uh, due dates, and stuff like that. Um, pop in, you know, if it's just a hello, pop in as often as you want, you know. Um, there are times where I'm like, all right, <laughs> I, I know you're here, you know, so use your discretion. What about baked goods? I know you mentioned not for submissions, but <laughs> for if, submissions. if it's someone you represent and they come with a, a dozen yeah, bagels. I mean, as a, <laughs> um, I'm a healthy eater now, um, but yeah, baked goods are always good to keep your, you know, especially if you're represented. Don't send baked goods if you're not, no. you know, I'm terrified somebody's going to poison me. Um so, yeah, if you're doing baked goods or drop by with Dunkin' Donuts or a little coffee. Maybe so a new Popeye's chicken sandwich. If you can get it, you can, <laughs> you can drop it by. But, yeah, something that, like, then the company knows, like, blank client, drop this off, please help yourself. And that's a way for the, everyone in the agency to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're around. Great person. Okay, we're back live at Vocation 2019. I'm now joined by Joey Shalio. Did I say it right? You did. Closely enough. You said it totally right. Morning and Sarah right. Storm. Hi. Uh, you're both presenters here. Joey, you're part of the Working Pros panel. Yes. And Sarah, part of the AI panel. What was your experience like on those on those panels? I had a great time. I, bet I was on the panel with two of my also working pro friends. Um, so like we already know each other, like each other, love each other. Um, so we were just you know speaking our truth of our experience and our 
our careers um, to an audience in a very kind of authentic way of, from our experience. And, you know, I was amongst peers and uh, it just felt very, very, it was awesome. It was fun. It was, it was authentic. Yeah. Yeah, I think people got a lot out of that, and I think they appreciated everyone's honesty. Yeah, with regard to the yeah, that we're honesty, not only how we run our business, but also our journey, right? Like it's it's not a straight up trajectory. There's ups and downs, ebbs and flows, and I think all of us were very honest about our experiences with that. Now it got a little weird today when Jamie just immediately threw Maria under the bus during his path. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, thanks, Jamie. But we'll talk to him about that yeah. later. So Sarah, what was your experience like? I missed that panel. Yeah, it was, oh. it was yesterday morning. Oh no! I know. I saw your panel. I came. Oh, oh, I came to the pros oh, panel that was today. because I knew because we went so we went to grad school together yeah. a couple of years apart, and I've known Maria for forever. So yeah. I, I made it a point to be down here, and it was super helpful to hear what you had to say, both as a performer and as a business person, and as someone who's going to get on that stage. It was that panel was amazing. The it was it was fantastic to hear everything that you guys had to say, and then to come back in the evening, and. And meet like to meet Rupal, who I watched her TED talk multiple times because I'm so fascinated by her business and her her study. And to meet Freddie and Hugh was superb, and it was really fun to have a conversation from so many like adjacent but not totally aligned perspectives. Um, it was fun for all of us. I think I hope it was valuable for everybody oh, who was around. It was cool. It was really awesome. Awesome, nice. Yeah. I just chatted with Hugh and, and Jim also right before we got back from lunch, and we talked about how. Things were positive, which is which is the takeaway they wanted to get mm -hmm. across. I think they did a good job, and you did as well, getting that, that point across. Yeah, I think, I mean, I come from the content perspective more than, like, the TTS perspective, but I do understand that world a bit. And I think we're at this really big, the big takeaway was, like, we're at this inflection point where, like, it's super important for voice artists to educate themselves on the, the voice-first space, meaning, like, the voice computing space. Mm -hmm. But that also... Um, it's a real opportunity because this this segment of the industry is so new to like educate people who like are making the jobs, unions, all of that on like what fair play looks like. Mm. That sort of how we teach people that artists want to be treated now is going to set a standard. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, we're almost out of time, but there's still some conference left. What is it something what's something that both of you are still looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to uh, Maria Pendolino's um, session later today about negotiation. Um, she is someone who I would call an expert at it. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to what she has to say. I'm also hoping to make that because she is amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm popping out of, of this chat and going to hear about turning non-union jobs union, which is something, it's part, it was part of a barrier for me to entry. Like, I never could figure out what that was about or how to do it, so... Yeah, well, I'm that's really... about to start, actually. So why don't we wrap up? I appreciate you both taking time here and, well, and also donating your time to the conference. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, Thank you. our pleasure. Thank you. Welcome back to Live at Vocation. Sorry, Vocation 2019. I've been corrected several times by Jamie and Karen already because I like to call it Vocation. It's not correct, apparently. No, it's Vocation. And now I'm here with Brad Newman, who's presenting today. Learn Brad, how role. are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. We just had a nice lunch at, at Riverside Park. Oh, I laid down on a towel. It was nice. I had pizza just fed to me. It was delicious. Yeah, and I'm not, not from New York, so anytime I can get my hands on some legit New York pizza, I'm happy. Man, I'm just happy that you fed me. I mean, I was laying down, and you just kept serving it right in. It was amazing. <laughs> it was a little weird. I didn't know you served that way, but it was good. <laughs> 
But anyway, you're presenting today. Tell us a little bit about your presentation and what you're hoping to gain from the conference. So uh, it's organizational marketing, but really it's about marketing in a way that gets you out of a VO headspace. Voiceover people always look at it with a VO angle, and I'm encouraging people to look at it from the angle of their buyers instead as fellow VO talent. Look for ways that you can engage the buyers and where you can meet them and solve their needs and remove their pain. So that's the marketing aspect of it. So it's literally stepping away from voiceover marketing as a voice talent and thinking of the ways that you would solve other problems in the world because that helps you see see it from a different perspective, a different view or a different angle. Okay, so and without giving away your whole presentation for, for those that didn't pay to come to the conference, mm -hmm. give me a, one or two key points. So um, surround yourself around other people that have what you want. Um, that is a will prove to be a tremendous value over and over and over because they can pick you up when they're down. They can help you through problems. Uh, everybody has uh, that's done VO or most people that's done VO have done something different in their life. So we all have these unique problems. Maybe they help you edit a blog or they're uh, an amazing wizard in audition to edit something. And so we all have these talents that we can help one another. I call that favor debt. I put people into favor debt and I leverage that favor debt when I need for either more exposure or opportunities that I need help on. And so I'm going to tell everybody about how to bring those two things together and, and look at this world of VO that we do in a different way. Favorite debt. I like that a lot. Yeah. I registered the domain. You can't have it. Oh, darn. Well, there goes that idea. Favoritedebt.com. There's nothing there, but I own it. It's good to know. <laughs> So in addition to being a presenter today, most people hopefully know you're also a voiceover talent. What are you looking for? To, what are you hoping to get out of the conference personally as a VO talent? You know, um, I think every time you approach one of these conferences, you go in with an agenda of, oh, I would like to learn this. And what ends up happening is you sit down and you hear something that totally rocks your world and becomes that aha moment. And you didn't realize that that's what you're going to walk away with from. I've already seen that this morning um, with a, uh, the, the pro panel. Uh, Maria Pendolino was on that. And I was literally sending her chat messages via Facebook while she was talking and how much of a rock star she is with the way that she was able to answer questions, remove people's roadblocks. She is like a, uh, a, a VO whisperer or therapist to VO talent to identify and find problems and fix it. I didn't come here expecting that. Rocked my world. That's, yeah, that's going to be I my agree. takeaway so far. It was amazing. Back at Vocation 2019, I'm here with Melissa Exelberth, who presented on how to convert non-union work to union work. Tell me a little bit about your session and how that, how that went. It uh, went really, really well. It's, you know, every time I talk about this, I, I'm not surprised to find out that more people are surprised that you can actually do this. It, you know, it's it's something that doesn't seem to be widely known, and it's just very gratifying when people say, "Hey, I never knew that I can do this. I can see all of these possibilities." You know, so it's it, it went well. What was the response like from the from the crowd? It was good. I didn't get a chance to, to sit in because I was at another session, but how was the no, response? It, it, it was good. Again, it was, you know, people weren't aware that they could do this. They, they weren't aware that they could take non-union work under that the corporate work, non-broadcast work, things like IVR and explainer videos and e-learning and museum narration, and make that a union job. You know, and have it pay into your health insurance and your pension and all of that. So that's really gratifying because one thing I really hate seeing is union actors who are working at Starbucks or wherever um, because they can't make enough money, they can't make a living, you know, and they can't make health insurance, and they 
don't realize that you can convert work and there's so much work that you can do. You know, they just say, I can't even look for non-union work because it's against the rules. And you can look for it and convert it. And another thing with non-union talent, it's a good way to kind of structure your career because you can, if you can make a career on corporate work and some of the other things that we spoke about aside from corporate work, then that's stuff that you don't really have to give up when you finally do join the union. So it's a good, good kind of career path, but it's nice to see people's eyes go, whoa, that was good. <laughs> you know? That's great. Well, unfortunately, we're near the end of the conference. What has been your favorite part, aside from your own presentation? What have, what have you enjoyed, or what did you take away? I've enjoyed everything. I, I thought every, every session that I went to that I stopped in on was phenomenal. I thought it was really, really, I thought yours was fantastic. Oh, thank you. No, seriously, I was, I was um, it, it was just great. I thought everybody spoke really well, and ideas. People came up with so many ideas that I hadn't thought of. And uh, I th we're not just pretty voices, right? We can all we can all contribute exactly. something to the business world. We have brains that go <laughs> along with it. Well, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought the whole conference was fantastic. The panels were great, super super informative. It was just a wonderful, wonderful conference. Jamie and Karen did a phenomenal job on this. Okay, so everyone here is rabid to find out how to get signed to a great agency. So we're going to dig into that a little. We're going to reduce the amount of questions that I'm going to be asking today so that we're going to give you guys opportunities to ask. But I want to start out now by finding out how you choose talent to work on your rosters and to work with. Um, so how important is experience for a talent coming to you when you are deciding whether to add them to your roster? Eileen, why don't you kick off? Um, I I think for me, it's, yes, experience is good. I think that um, work ethic, personality, how easy you are to work with is much more important. Uh, obviously, if I am taking you onto my roster, then I believe in you. So, you know, there is a reason why, and I know that maybe you don't have the experience yet, but I can definitely get you there. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Phil? Um, we're in a little different scenario. Um, I, I've said for years that our business in general used to be a talent business, and I, I really feel like it's a service business now. So what Eileen was saying about you know, being able to work with people is so crucial. We also, as managers, really focus on people who can perpetuate jobs as opposed to just getting jobs. So we really look for track records for everyone we work with. And you know, we unfortunately don't have the bandwidth to focus on younger talent and getting them off the ground. Um, we're focusing much more on established talent. Yeah, Tim. Um, so my favorite thing is I love to work with people just right out of college. Um, and kind of prepare them for the VO world since really no colleges offer or you don't learn how to do voiceover. Um, so I really take the 20 year olds under my wing and I will sign somebody that I just believe in. I don't need a demo, I just need you to be able to work and go to auditions. Um, we're also a kind of a boutique agency, so I only take on people that I don't already have two or three of that type. So I do turn down a lot of people, but that's because I don't think I can get you the opportunities that I could without hurting my signed clients already. Um, so I love working with new talent if I have space. It's, it's difficult. Like, we sit up here and, and it's great, and you're like, oh, that's awesome, they make a living at it, blah, blah, blah. 
But it's not easy for us either. We still have to work really hard. And yes, we have laid a lot of groundwork. But there are days that we think we suck. There are days when we think we're not going to be able to pay our mortgage next month or next year. I worry every single day that I won't make enough to get my health insurance. You know, when's that going to happen? So it's, and that's a lot of time what drives me in those uh, in those moments when I'm exhausted and I just want to take a nap. Uh, I'm like, no, I have to, I have to build my business. I have to succeed because I'm never going back to waiting tables and, uh, and I have to take care of my family. And so that drive alone is, is what in those times when I have a spare moment, that's what gets me into my office and gets me doing things for my business. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on, not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more, all without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. So uh, when we first started putting the guide together, uh, we reached out to the community at large, the, you know, uh, the uh, voiceover community at large, asked them what they were making for various jobs, found ranges, found what the professionals were charging. Re but understand that there are two, there are two very clear uh, areas of voiceover, and there is, there's the there's the whole world of ah, it's good enough. And then there's the world of excellence. And that's where we work. We work within, that's what our rate guide is, is very much towards the, the world of excellence because we want to keep that integrity of the industry alive, right? So we're not, we're not concerned with the other side. That is going to exist no matter what. Don't try to kill it, don't try to slash it, don't let them do their thing. We need to find that road on there. So we have talked to so many different people, gotten that range worked with that range, talked to agencies, worked that into our guides. And it's always changing as we get more information. Oh, you know what I just got for this tag? I got this much for this now. And we add all that information together, which is why we're constantly updating that. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed. And in the personals column, there was this letter I read. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, if you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, if you like making love at midnight in the dunes of the Cape, I'm the love that you've looked for. Write to me and escape. <laughs> Lots of research. I think it was really important to get uh, 
a lot of varied opinions. There's a lot of Facebook groups. There's a lot of uh, organizations like Hughes and Human Voice Act Academy. There's coaches out there that are putting out information, doing your research and understanding you know, what's really going on in, in the market. And you, you can really learn a lot on your own. A lot of people will not do that step and they really miss out a lot of getting gaining information from their peers. And I think the voiceover industry is very unique in the fact that we stick together and we help each other out. It, there, there's, not a, there's not a blueprint on how to do it and I think that's why we help each other out so much. So there's a lot you can learn from your peers as well. Um, second is you know understanding that it's a business and that you need to have investments to, to coach and, and train and, <clears throat> and run a business and understand that it is a business. I think a lot of people don't understand that when they first get started. And uh, there's the fantasy of being a, uh, a character voice or an animation in a video game and we see like, like the, the glam of it, but there's a lot of hard work and dedication and struggle that goes behind it. So understanding the reality of the business is number one. And a lot of times people come to us and we tell straight talk, like, look, you're, you're gonna, it's gonna take years before you get to where you think you, you wanna be. It's gonna take a lot of time and effort and money. Uh, this is a business, it's not fun. Uh, it can, or it can, it's obviously a lot of fun, but it, can, it cannot be fun too. There's a lot of, we all know there's a lot of rejection involved. We tell it how it is so that you're prepared. And a lot of people say, I'll exit stage left. You know, they're not prepared to, to run a business. So that's really important, the first step. And then you really have to just engage in coaching, uh, doing it the right way, finding the right people, finding the, the right organizations to help you to get there. And uh, number one, just keep going. You know, it's, it's a long road. There can be some really highs, there can be some really lows. So it's a, a mat matter of trusting yourself and, and pushing forward. Uh, so yeah, that's, I guess there's some keys. We can talk more about it all, but yeah, those are some of the main things that I, I like to, to tell people when they're, they're first getting started. <laughs> so this is, Dueling McKellens uh, to uh, the mystical words of Elton John. Don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't if I tried. Honey, if I get restless. Maybe you're not that kind. Don't go breaking my heart. You take the weight off me. Oh, honey, when you knock on my door. Ooh, I gave you the key. Oh, oh. Nobody knows it. Nobody knows it. When I was dying, I was so calm. Oh, oh, nobody knows this. Nobody knows. Right from the start. I gave you my heart. Oh, oh, I gave you my heart. Doom, 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 doom. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. That pretty much wraps up our recap of these two wonderful voiceover conferences. So now, without further ado, it's time to do our interview with Jim Kennelly and Sam Ufrit from Lotus Productions.
Okay, everybody, welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. We're really pleased to welcome Lotus Productions. Lotus is based in New York City, and they're an audio and post-production studio providing voiceover recording for commercials, narration, political, animation, and more. Their high production values and easily accessible Manhattan studio facilities have contributed to a reputation for award-winning excellence in recordings heard around the world. We're pleased to welcome owner, producer, and director, Jim Kennelly. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Sean. I'm very happy to be here today. It's great to join you guys. Well, thank you very much, Jim. So tell us a little bit about the history of Lotus and how you both came to be involved. Sure. Uh, Lotus Productions actually has been around a very long time. It, it goes back to the 1970s, actually. There was a gentleman, his name was John Lotus, and he was a voice actor here in New York City. And he, at those days, in the early days, 70s and early 80s, uh, a lot of big-time voiceover agents didn't really worry about out-of-market production or radio or TV spots. There was so much work in New York and L.A. and certainly a smaller number of talents that the agents weren't really concerned with the work that came from out of town. And John had the idea that, like, hey, I'll build my own studio in New York City. I'll do my work out of it. And because the agents and the number of talents were such a small group, he was able to say to them, like, hey, if you get phone calls from out of town agencies or companies, send them to me. I'll become a union signator. We can produce the jobs in my studio, and then we'll just, in those days, we would do it on reel-to-reel, and we would cut the, cut the tape off, make a dub, put it in a box, and mail it back to our clients. So that's the roots of Lotus Productions. It comes from, uh, that's why I think we like to think we're so talent-oriented, because we were originally founded by a voice talent who was trying to find a new and innovative way to hire talents and help them be successful and, and fulfill their goals to whatever they are in their lives to uh, make their lives better. How about and how did you come to this to the, to the situation? Sure. Well, I started out as a location sound man when I came out of school at the wonderful Syracuse University, the Harvard of Central New York. Uh, <laughs> when I came out of the Newhouse School, uh, I, wanted to be, I was a location sound man. And so I traveled around the world about uh, three times uh, working on documentary films, uh, which is something that I definitely wanted to do. Uh, we worked on, uh, like, uh, world peace and hunger initiatives, or uh, if there were earthquakes, we've made those types of documentaries. And that experience was great, but when I wanted to get married and start my family, I realized that wasn't the type of adventurous life that would fit into what I wanted for myself, to see my sons grow up and go to their plays and coach their teams. So I took a studio job, and the studio job that I took was with John Lotus Productions, at that point, John was much older than I was, so basically I ran the studio, but he kind of showed me the ropes. And then eventually, as time moved on, you went from being the studio boy in the uh, chair, the uh, studio gremlin or something like that, and then uh, <laughs> booth gremlin, and then I moved up to uh, being uh, obviously the director and then the producer, and eventually I became the owner, so we get to know it all. So that's how I got involved. That's fantastic. I love that that story. It's similar to my story about why I initially wanted to go into voiceover because I wanted to be around for the family. And I noticed on your your profile, Jim, that mm -hmm. says you love coaching youth sports, and I do a ton of that myself. I coach right now. I'm doing two soccer teams and a, a fall baseball team. In yeah, fact, uh, my wife just got back from from uh, overnighting the materials to the Cooperstown people. So 
my son's 12U team can go to Cooperstown, yeah. New York, and visit the Hall of Fame this summer. Yeah, that's exciting. That's always a great trip. The, the kids love it. Uh, yeah, I do. I enjoyed coaching. My sons obviously are much older. They're men now. They live here in New York. But in that moment, uh, it's exactly where I want it to be. I think it's important uh, that uh, boys and girls have important, you know, mature role models, whether it's a man or a woman also, uh, who are like, you know, level-headed, <laughs> not the crazy coach mode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, sports are fun and children deserve to get out and run around and have and be together, but it has to be a safe, positive environment too. So, you know, time my time spent as a coach was uh, really a pleasure. That's great. So tell us, what kinds of work does Lotus specialize in, and maybe what makes Lotus different from other studios? Sure. Well, obviously, we record voices for any platform, all platforms. Uh, We came from, like most places, we were a radio and TV commercial shop. We always did narrations. Uh, But we're we're proud of innovation. We like to look forward two, three years down the road where the industry is going to be. So besides following technology, which we always follow, the, the advances in technology that, it, that affect uh, voiceovers, uh, one of the things we specialize in is the globalization of spots, where we take one, uh, either one video, one explainer video, or a TV or a radio commercial, and then we turn that into like 15 different languages. So uh, that interested me. My experience of going around the world always made me appreciate that, like, hey, voiceover is, is a global business too. So we hire announcers, men and women all around the world, and studios all around the world. To me, that makes makes it fun. Uh, what makes Lotus Productions maybe a little different is the, I always talk about that patience creates trust and trust creates speed. We really, because we come from roots of an, an announcer created this company, we really try to get to know the talents that we work with. Like you're suggesting that you happen to be involved in coaching. That's important to me. Uh, someone else may have been a lobbyist or worked as a nurse or their mom and dad might be a police officer. These things that make us unique, we bring to our voices when we perform. I also think it helps talent sometimes relate to the script in a certain way. So we may have, we had a project last week that was like, oh, we need like a wacky female science voice for a, for a medical thing. So I know that a certain group of talents, they worked as teachers or they worked as science teachers. So we may audition a variety of people, but I will say to our client, hey, you know, these three or four women, they actually are science teachers or these people did work in like middle schools. So if you think that's interesting for your project, you might give them a little more specific lesson. So we take the time to be patient and really get to know talent, understand who they are, what's going on in their lives. And I think that creates an element of trust. And once you have the trust established between producer and talent, then you actually start to pick up speed. And certainly speed is a very important element in the voiceover industry, how quickly you can get projects done, how quickly you can turn them over. Uh, that's just has always been a part of voiceovers. And it's just the industry itself is just going to get quicker and quicker as we look at the next two, three, five years. So uh, patience creates trust and trust builds in speed. Uh, that's one of our slogans. Very cool. Well, you're obviously a talent-centric business, and a lot of our audience are newer talent, new to the business. So aside from background experience and speed, what other performance skills or qualities do you look for in the talent you work with? Yeah, that's a great question, Sean. Uh, One of the things we always talk about is the first thing is talent. You have to have talent. And once you get past talent, so you got to work with coaches, you got to practice, you got to get out in groups and and show yourself, get better slowly. And then you really need to have your tech together. To be in the voiceover industry right now and going forward, you got to have your tech. You got to have a 
good audition space or a good production space or relationships with a studio that you can get to quickly. So it's talent, tech, and then there's marketing. You really have to learn how to market yourself. Uh, we're just coming off a conference, a voice conference, where it was all about the business of voiceovers. And uh, you have to look at yourself as an entrepreneur. You have to look at yourself as a small business. So once you get your talent, tech, and marketing down in that order, then you can maybe start to really get in the flow of the voiceover business. But obviously, each of those steps are important, and each one takes time. Now, a lot of talent these days are recording from home. And some people may have never had the pleasure of coming to a place like Lotus. What are some things talent should be aware of when coming to a studio for a session, maybe even for the first time? Oh, also important. Uh, our background uh, comes from a world where the talent came in and auditioned in studio all the time. That was the New York City experience. Obviously, that's changed a lot, like you guys are pointing out. Now we audition and hire people in home studios all day long. We uh, we did a session this morning with a woman down in South Carolina for J.P. Morgan Chase. You know, we connected over IPDTL. And that's the, the you know, that's the reality. Sponsor the show, by the way. Yes, they go oh, very good. <laughs> a small plug. Shame We drop. love Kevin. He's a genius. Yes, he is. Uh, and uh, yes, he is. And then uh, the other day, actually, as to spin off IPDTL, I was talking to a gentleman down in Miami who is in charge of doing a new podcast about uh, sports with a sports anchor. And he just needed to figure out, how am I going to connect to the uh, other talents that I have to interview, uh, sports celebrities? So we suggested to him, like, you should use IPDTL. It's very simple. You'll like it. Uh, but back to uh, what should talents do in the, uh, when they come to a studio? Obviously, the, the, you got to be on time. You got to be on time and ready to work. You're here to work when you get in front of the microphone. You're not here to, you know, goof around or, you know, tell me your life story. We can do that later. But when you come and it's you're booked at one o'clock Eastern, you got to be ready to work. Maybe have read through the, the copy. We usually send the copy in advance to people. And then I think you need to, just like I talked about before, you need to be patient. You need to listen, trust your engineer, he or she. They may be giving you clues. Uh, the director may know the client better, may have produced many other jobs with this with the person who's directing you. So take the clues from the studio producer like myself. Uh, you may be thinking you're not doing a good job, but then I can tell you, hey, you're doing a great job. Just relax. This is the way this guy directs. Everybody directs differently. Uh, everybody has a different attack at how they want to get the read out of the voice talent. So I think you just need to be patient, trust in your, t trust your talent, uh, and uh, really be focused that you're there to work. Wonderful. So focusing on studio do's and don'ts a little bit more, do you have any scary stories of talent misbehaving in the studio or even any good stories about a talent who exceptionally impressed you with what they were doing? Sure, no, that, 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 that's, that, that's a fun one. Uh, because my experience is a little longer. Uh, the days of the talents being prima donnas really kind of ended, and that's really good. Uh, there was a moment. There was a moment back in the '90s and 2000s where these very successful, very well-paid men and women—not all of them, a number of them—would just come in and be rotten. You know, they would just treat the they treat the engineers rotten. They would treat your clients rotten. They'd say like they don't like the copy, and it's like. What are you talking about? You know, you're just hired to do this. But that moment really ended, so that's good. The new generation of, uh, like, the people who listen to your podcast, enjoy your podcast, 
that's really not part of the industry anymore because uh, people are much more controlled in this in this session. Uh, we've had uh, guys uh, come in hungover, have to sleep in the booth in between <laughs> takes. That's a bad one. I wouldn't go for that. Uh, that's happened twice. Different guys. Uh, so there, there's things like that. Uh, there's never a story where, like, somebody walked out or, like, did an Orson Welles kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we kind of <laughs> keep it calm. We, you know, it is a pick-and-choose business. So the people that we bring in to help our clients and do voiceovers for our clients are people who are pretty normal. Uh, on the positive side, we were doing a, fran- or doing a job with a client of ours in Paris. And uh, they had hired a certain talent, and she was reading in English, uh, and they were struggling a little bit communicating, trying to communicate their direction. Uh, Obviously, English was their second language. And then out of the blue, I didn't know it, the talent spoke French. And all of a sudden, she starts speaking (laughs) in French, and I'm like, oh, this is great. (laughs) So I'm like, you know, know, she did a lovely job, and she brought a really nice read to it. But, uh, you know, in the moment, I was like, you are really saving the show. You are making me look fantastic, and I appreciate it. So uh, even though I didn't know it, you know, those things that you can bring as a talent in the studio in the moment of the session can really, you know, make you pop out and make maybe have people come back to you or send you more auditions because I think people just remember when they have good experiences with the talent. Certainly we do. And they're like, oh, he's a great guy or oh, she's super. You know, she really brings something else to it. Even if it's just, you know, politely suggesting – Hey, could I do another read? Or you know, maybe this phrasing would work better for me. Or do you do you like it? You don't have to use it. Uh, that's the way we always present it. Like, hey, I have an idea. Do you, would you like to hear it? You don't have to use it. We're just recording it. If you don't like it, tell us. It won't make us feel bad. Uh, I think if you have that attitude, that can help in a session. So, those are maybe two kind of up and down kind of scenarios. That's great. But it's so, fun. You know, like uh, I will say, the voiceover business and working with actors is absolutely a gas. I've loved it my whole life. It's 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 really, you know, I always say work is fun. I always say love my job. You know, if you follow us online, you'll see that I say that every day, every session. It, it's really a fun business. Agreed. So we talk about how much you like working with talent. I'm wondering, how has Lotus been affected by the explosion of home studios over the last 10, 12 years? Yeah, 10, 12 years is right. Uh when this first started to be a phenomena, uh, we embraced it right away. We are big believers in a level playing field. Uh, it, it does not matter to me at all where you are. Uh, we always, again, follow the technology. So whether it's you know, ISDN, we did beta, I'm so old, we did beta testing on ISDN. Uh, and we're kind of known as a place where you can test new software out. So certainly whether it was uh, Source Connect or IPTTL and some of the other ones that have come out, uh, we're always involved on the ground floor. I try to keep my geek side on the down low, but it's there. Uh, so we were always uh, happy to say that like, hey, we have technology now that I can work with somebody in Miami Beach or I can work with somebody in Idaho, South Carolina, uh, Harper's Ferry. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're the talent, the best talent that I and someone I can bring to my client, that's all I'm looking for. So. And again, we expanded that into Europe, where we work with talents in their studios in in Italy and uh, in, up in Sweden. We have a lot of guys. We, there's a lot of work that comes out of Germany and Barcelona. So there are, you know, talents just like you all around the world. Same as there are producers and talent agents just like the ones in New York and L.A. all around the world. So we always look at it as a positive that you can reach out through the modern, you know, through technology and bring these people to our clients, bring the best talent to our clients. Wonderful. So we touched on it a little bit earlier in the interview, but I'm curious about what kinds of clients and companies that you work with 
and you and how you go about finding or marketing to them? Oh, that, uh, yeah, that's good. That's a question I get asked a lot. Uh, how do we find our clients? Obviously, we've been around a long time, so we have a reputation. People do know us. Uh, we get a lot of, uh, you know, recommendations. People do come to us. Uh, being friendly to talent also brings clients to us because people say like, oh, I got this job and I need to record it. Will you help me? So talents actually bring us some gigs. Sort of a tip that that I do, like we don't really have a lot of lulls at Lotus with, you know, love to everybody. But if there ever is a lull, all I do is I, I kind of go back and look at where we were a year ago and see who we were working with. And I always first go back to people who have already hired us. You know, maybe somebody moved on or they, you know, they went to another agency or they're at another company now. Or maybe they lost that account. You know, these are things that happen in the ad world. But we always go back to somebody who has had an experience with us and just sort of reintroduce ourselves. And that sort of energy usually generates something. Something comes up. I'm also a big positive thinker guy, so I always think like, oh, it's slow today. That's all right. Somebody's going to call us. Something's going to happen. But you can't rely on that. <laughs> uh, so that would be my tip is like go back to people who know you. Uh, I am a big believer in, uh, you know, social media platforms. You know, we were on Twitter and Instagram uh, right away. I have found talent on Twitter. I see talent on Instagram. And if they're doing things in a certain way and it's the right moment, you know, I, I commute in and out of New York. I have like an hour train ride to get back to the Burbs in New Jersey. And I use that time. I always use that time to look for talent and uh, follow like or listen to podcasts like yours to learn more about the business and to kind of open myself up to things. So. I think another way for talent to find to find work is to uh, join groups, to get involved in, like, listen to podcasts, join groups, get out and be involved in, like, some, like, community theater. Uh, if you're in New York or a bigger market, you could really get involved in maybe some amateur filmmaking. Uh, it just so you make contacts. The more contacts you have, you could, like, it, like, ripples out. Uh, we had Henry Winkler in here doing a podcast for Backstage. And, uh, you know, you can't be more famous than the Fonz. And all he said was when when yeah, when he was a young actor and even today as as big a celebrity he is, he still says yes to everything. He's like, I'll say yes. I'll get involved. I'll go down, check it out. If I like it, great. If I don't, eh, it was just, a, you know, one experience. So Henry Winkler's ad advice was get involved, say yes, give your time, and you just never know where those those paths can lead you. That's great advice. So, Jim, you and I were both at the vocation conference you talked about earlier, and I thought mm -hmm. you did a fantastic job on the panel as the moderator of the, the AI uh, and how it affects voiceover. So I'm curious, overall, where do you think the future of voiceover is going? Do you think we'll have status quo for much longer, or do you think things are going to sort of turn on its head pretty soon? Right. Well, the industry is always the voiceover industry is always evolving, and that's good news. It should evolve; it can't stay stagnant. I think one of the points of the uh, panel that we talked on AI and the future of voiceovers and voice first, as it as it affects actors, is that there will be two standalone industries. There will be the voiceover industry that we all know and love, and are a part of, or want to be a part of, and that'll exist. You know, the TV and radio world, the narration world, the phone prompt world. And then there'll be another new industry that's emerging, and that's the artificial intelligence voice-first world. Uh, we see it already with, uh, obviously, Google and uh, Alexa, the smart speaker platforms. And there's a moment coming, and that's why we had this conversation at the, uh, at the vocation. I see the moment coming when the two industries are going to start to overlap. The AI industry, voice-first industry, has done a lot of development over the last 
you know, eight, 10 years. And they're at the moment right now where they know they need voice actors and they need to create synthesized versions of voice actors. So I think it's really going to augment a voice talent's life. That's the way I'm presenting. I'm presenting it. If you are, say, Paul or Sean, your voice was synthesized for a client, a brand pays to have your voice synthesized. It might be a two, three, four-hour experience in the studio where you're going to read like 2,000 or 3,000 sentences, and then they're able to basically create your speech pattern. And what you'll see is that synthetic version of you will be used for the pitches and the demos and the scratch tracks. But when the real session comes, of course, the creative director or the writer, he or she, they're going to want to work with you. They really want to have an actor at the base of it. So then they'll direct you. They'll have a normal session like we have in the voiceover industry. But then down the road after they got what they like or they have a product that they like, like you know the industry, eventually everything's done. And then a week later, it's like, you know, when you said 18, it really should have been 22. (laughs) So can we, you know, you have those pickup sessions. But with a synthetic version of you, they can make that simple adjustment without having to bring you back into a studio. They can make it immediately and or... Importantly, they can start to personalize uh, a product instead of, you know, because in some markets it might be 18, but in some markets it might be 22, it might be 25, and they can make all that adjustments. You'll, as a sidebar, you're going to start to see the personalization of apps, the personalization of products. Uh, this, and all these brands are going to want their own voice identity. So you'll see yourselves, the synthesized version of yourselves for different brands. Uh, Now, how we negotiate that is a bigger story, but there are people absolutely like myself, there are people involved in this discussion right now. How we're going to, you know, we're involved in synthesizing voices next week. We're going to have some voice actors in the studio. We're going to start to synthesize synthesize their voices uh, and start to have ability to pitch them to clients. But then we are aggressively negotiating how talents will be paid, uh, how we're going to involve either revenue sharing or uh, how we're going to watermark the voices so they don't get misused. There's a, it's a brand new industry. Uh, you know, I made the I made the parallel at the conference that you know in the late 20s, early 30s, radio came into being. Everybody loved the radio. Everybody knew it worked, but there wasn't an industry around it. But there are men and women who created an industry. Some people became celebrities, and some people just went to work every day and went home and had a normal life. So I think you'll see the same thing happen. The same thing is happening right now with what we call voice first, maybe the third wave of audio that's, that's happening right now. You and I, Paul, Sean, Sam, myself, my sister Marion who works here, we all have this unique opportunity to be at the base, the start of a new industry, and really start to and really start to create it. Uh, to me, that's exciting, and that's I really feel that's going to happen in the next ten years. We have this opportunity. It's a great time to be in the voiceover business because I see nothing but it totally expanding. It's it's only good news. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, that's such a fresh perspective because, uh, I mean, almost everywhere else, it's like, the sky is falling, doom and gloom. It's not the robots are coming, run for the hills. That's not the story. I, for one, like, um, what's the word? Swear fealty to our new robot masters. (laughs) But anyways. Because in the um, end, they always need a voice actor. They need the voice, the nuances that only actors can bring. That has to be at the root of everything they do in voice first in AI. So they're always going to need actors. It's, it's, that's not going to happen. Particularly as you look at new platforms like podcasts and acting on podcasts, apps have gaming on them now. They, they all require actors. So there's a big future waiting for everyone. 
Wonderful. I love this idea of thinking of it as more of a symbiotic relationship than a full replacement and actually making it more convenient for everyone involved. Yeah, that's ex- to me, that's exactly how Lotus Production sees it. Well, Jim, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for telling us about yourself and Lotus. I think you guys have a wonderful establishment. So how can people find out more about you guys? Sure. Well, obviously, we advise you or recommend following us online. Uh, There's Lotus Productions on Twitter. There's Lotus Productions on Instagram. Uh, On Twitter, I tend to talk about my vision of the future of the industry. Uh, So you'll see a lot about voice first and AI. It's sort of like my tips and recommendations. Uh, On Instagram, we really use it to show people what we're doing in the studio. One of the parts of the industry, the new parts of the industry is that you audition alone. It's sort of a closed-in experience. So you may get a script from me for J.P. Morgan Chase, for the one we did today. It was about J.P. Morgan Chase and women's initiatives. A, A number of women read for me. They were all fantastic, but obviously only one person got picked. So I'm able to put a photograph of that woman doing the job. And it, I think for the talents, it shows them that like, okay, Oh, yeah, I read for I read for that thing at Lotus, and my friend got it. Good for her. But at least you know the the project was closed, and so we're trying to use Instagram to, you know, reassure people that hey, jobs are going out, people are getting them. And again, the other part I use Instagram to for is to show that we have fun here. That like our jobs fun, we enjoy our work here, and uh, you know we're trying to encourage people, we're trying to encourage talent to come to us. So follow us on Twitter, look for us on Instagram. Uh, I always say to people, uh, we're, you know, we don't sell anything here. Uh, you know, I'm not a coach. We don't make demos. But we're always looking for new talent. And so I'm happy to be on your podcast because we're always looking for new voices. And, you know, I, I never feel bad if you reach out to me and send me your demos and say you want to be on our team because I know you just want to be successful. You know, when the, when the three of us who work at Lotus Productions come to work every day, we want to be successful, so we don't hold it against anyone that they reach out to us and say, hey, we want to be involved, send me some scripts, uh, let me show you what I can do. We're always looking for new voices. Amazing. And just to make sure people know, that's Lotus Productions, L-O-T-A-S, as in John Lotus, not the flower. (laughs) So Lotus Productions on Twitter, Facebook, and all the other social medias. Yeah, uh, we'll look forward to meeting you. We hope we, we can get together and work on that scenario of patience, trust, and speed. It's really important. Jim, thanks again. It was a pleasure. Paul, Sean, my pleasure. Good luck with the podcast. Uh, Good luck going forward with your careers, and uh, I'm sure we'll meet again. Welcome to part two of our session with Lotus Productions. We're pleased to be joined by Sam Ufrit now, who is director, engineer, and audio guru. Sam, welcome. Hi, how are you doing? We're fantastic. So, Sam, tell us a little bit about how you came to work with Lotus. I will try not to make it long and convoluted, but uh, what happened was I graduated college in 2015. I lived down in Washington, D.C. I was freelancing with a radio station down there called WTOP and their sister station, WFED. So I was on their production side. I was in the war room. I was helping with the live shows. And, you know, I was hoping to do stuff in production with them, but then they reorged and it became apparent after a couple of months that they didn't really have any production um production positions available left. So after about a year and a half, um, I decided to come back up this way, up north. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. So for about four months afterwards, I was looking for jobs in anything related to radio or advertising because I had experience at the radio station. So, you know, me and Jim and Marion ended up connecting, and then I've been here ever since. 
Well, our listeners know this, but I don't know if you and I had a chance to talk. I'm, I actually live just outside Baltimore, and I listen to WTOP ah, okay. quite a bit. So, Oh, yeah. And uh, I worked for the Orioles for a while, too. So they they carried the Orioles games before the Nationals were a thing. So yeah. a lot of experience with, with that station. Love it. <laughs> Great. So, Sam, I was curious, what kinds of work does Lotus specialize in? And since you've worked at a variety of different studios, what do you feel makes Lotus different? So... First off the bat, the thing that makes Lotus different is the fact that they are very warm, open, and welcoming. That is, I would definitely say, coming from a radio background, extremely rare to find. You know, it could be pretty cutthroat for radio, even if you're not in New York. Like, there are plenty of markets that are just a little gritty. So, you know, to come here in a place where I get to produce and be creative and be me, it's really appreciated, and I love being able to come here to work every day for that reason. And I know the talents love it for that reason, too. That's amazing. So speaking of the talent, um, our listeners are new talent, new to the business, and you work with a lot of talent, like both remotely and in studio. So what are some things that they should be aware of, or what kind of qualities are you looking for in the talent you work with? I would say probably the two most important, in my opinion, are a solid home studio, and you have to be responsive. So, you know, I understand there are newer people in the industry. There are a lot of gatekeepers in this industry and a lot of confusion and honestly probably fear of technology and trying to set up your own studio. Definitely. Um, you, yeah, it's like I personally I try to break down walls. I don't like gatekeepers. So I am always constantly just giving out information. Just email me. I will give you as much information as you need to set up a home studio. And, you know, just making sure that you get it on point and... No, that's fine. I mean, and I, I yeah. understand completely because I, I actually have a number of YouTube videos and things like that demystifying the studio tech and just using accessible language that doesn't make it intimidating. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. I feel like everybody's like, oh, well, what's your audio chain? How's your preamp? It's like, you know, that that really scares people sometimes. Yeah, yeah that really kind of scares people. And I don't like that. I try to really make it in such a way that somebody can understand, like saying, oh, yeah, your interface is the, your translator between your XLR mic and your computer. This is how they talk to each other. So I just try to make it really easy for people to understand. So obviously getting a home studio on point. Uh, doing your research, not getting sucked into fads and crazes with microphones that then put you in a money pit. And <laughs> yeah. then that, that's a big <laughs> problem. not know anything like, about that. <laughs> yeah, so not getting sucked into the crazes, um, doing your research. And then probably the other half of that was being responsive. So, you know, people are like, hey, I really want to audition for you. I really want to start booking with you guys. So we send you an audition, but then we never hear from you or you send it to us three days late. That's not the best way to kind of put yourself out there. So just make sure mm -hmm. that if you're really vested in this, you're actually putting your energy into it. So we asked Jim this question, but what about from your point of view in in the studio? Have you ever had a talent have an example of behaving badly? Or has there ever been uh, a talent that really surprised you by, I don't know, showing up with a box of donuts or uh, oh, sending yeah. you a thank you note? <laughs> um, I will probably, like, let me get the bad one out of the way first. Um, so... Talent comes in, and he's, you know, I go by Sam. Um, I don't go by Samantha. So I do that on purpose because, honestly, a lot of people don't get to see me face-to-face -face until they actually come into the studio. So mm. there's a level of respect I get right off the bat, which would be weird for them to pull back once they see me. Mm. So somebody was meeting me for the first time, and they go, oh, I didn't know they let females engineer. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, that was fun. 
that was a good time. It's 2019. So, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's not the first one, nor will I will it be the last. I am quite sure of that. Uh-huh. But um, so that was a bad one. Um, the good one is that everybody knows I love food, so they know I'm a pushover if you just like get me cha cha matcha or like a bunch of donuts or cookies. Just <laughs> get me baked goods. Good to the know. Best, the, the way to my heart is to my stomach. Just bring me food. And people constantly, <laughs> people constantly like bring me food and snacks and things like that. And I always appreciate it, especially because if they know me well enough, they know what to get me. So that's the best part. And also, you know, obviously being nice, being respectful. I try to be friendly with people. Um, I try to make friends with the people who are talents here. So as long as you're just open and you're willing to have a relationship, let's just do that. It'll be great. So how much interaction do you do you want from the talent you're working with? And when is it too far? So can a talent, for instance, offer suggestions on a mic to use? Or would that be something you'd frown upon? You mean like asking me for advice on what to do for tech? No, I mean in the studio. Like if someone says, hey, I'd really like to use a SM7B, for instance. Or is that something you'd frown upon, having suggestions on your job from the talent? Or do you like a cooperative relationship? Well, I mean, let's say if there's an out-of-town talent that it's like, hey, I'm bringing my mic with me. Do you mind if I just hook it up at the studio? Um, we say, hey, these are the mics we have. But, they, but if they say, oh, no, because it's with a client, it's like, yeah, it's no problem. Bring your mic here. Um, we have professional-grade mics here. We, we never really have to worry about anything. And I think people trust us enough to never worry about our setups. But, um, you know, and in terms of interaction, if somebody needs to get in touch, like, hey, I'm redoing my home studio. I don't know what to do for my microphone. I'm trying to upgrade my tech. What should I do? You know, I'm always really open. You know, keep in mind, we are kind of busy. We are doing production work. We are doing mixing and mastering here as well. So that does take up time. But if I have a little free time, I'm more than happy to answer questions. I'm not trying to um, shun anybody. It, It never bothers me. So basically, if you're the talent, read the air and know when you're taking too much of your time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say that. It's more along the lines of, you know, just understand that we also have to do this because this is our job. But more along the lines of just be respectful. That's all I could say. Just like respect me, respect my time and respect my energy and my output. That's all I say. So, Sam, with your uh, time in the business, obviously not as much as Jim. Oh, where do no. <laughs> you see the where do you see the future of voiceover going from your perspective? Well, um, voiceover I think is very healthy in terms of you know it's not going away. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, I'm also a gigantic nerd. You could talk to me about video games, anime, cartoons all day long, and I'm not going to shut up. So I could get on and on <laughs> about that. And you know, that's gonna that's definitely alive and well. Um, there are plenty of shows out there, and especially since there are platforms that. I would say deviate away from like regular cable, um, you know, uh, like subscriptions like Verve, Crunchyroll, anything online, Hulu. They're all creating their own original content. They need voice actors for this stuff. You guys are fine. Just keep booking. Just just keep auditioning. You're going to get there. It's like especially if there's a lot of independent animators, they're going to need people to do voices for their stuff. And, you know, video games are more than alive and well. So that's going to be great. And then in terms of... Um, you know, other stuff like it, it, voiceover is great because especially with AI and voice first and things like that, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for talents here. This is a good time to start doing your research and seeing how you can put yourself in this new emerging market, this new emerging uh, industry. You can't be afraid of the technology. You just got to go for it. So something you might be able to help with, it's, I've been kicking it around. Uh, I have a 11-year-old son who does nothing but watch videos of either people playing video games, which has a voiceover, or people, doing, <laughs> or people doing unscripted 
basically radio plays in just their house with their friends. And a lot of the times they're, they're kids. Do you think there'll be a time where the amateur voiceover people, I guess is the best way to describe them, would take over the jobs of what was traditionally a professionally done VO? I don't think it's going to surpass it as much as it's going to help further it and develop it. Because if you look into podcasts and you look at what's popular now, you kind of see who shaped, um, you know, especially serialized fiction podcasts initially. Like one of the podcast companies that I constantly recommend to people is um, Night Vale Presents because they did Welcome to Night Vale. Vale. Alice Isn't Dead uh, within the wires. Um, uh, Orbiting uh, is a floating orbiting circus of uh, no human circus. I can't remember the name. That's a long one. Something, 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 something circus in the air. Um, They're also doing. Oh, God, what was that other one that just came out? Adventures in New America. So they were one of the first indie serialized fiction podcast networks out there. And look at how much they actually shaped serialized fiction. It, it, it's like the, they're going to help, you know, augment trends, I would say. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, podcasts are still very loose. There's a lot more structure to it than I would say like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to just only help. You, like it's not like, oh, the amateurs are going to take our job. No, they're going to help you further yours and hopefully become professionals themselves if that's what they aspire to. Oh, that's amazing. And I feel like as you were you were hinting earlier, so first off, it's the orbiting human circus of, there we go. of the air. There we go. <laughs> um, but anyways, I feel like they're going to kind of branch off and expand into their own niche areas as opposed to, I know, enveloping the current trends of voiceover. Um, yeah, I mean, they may, yeah, they're, they're going to help shape it. They're going to help lead a direction. Maybe they might even help bring order to the chaos that is certain areas of podcasting at this moment. So it would be nice to see, like, I, I love podcasts. I'm religious listener of them. I have so many that I, I need to catch up on. Um, but it's kind of great because it gives power to the people. It's like everybody can have a radio station again. It's not just owned by one conglomerate anymore. We have a lot of freedom right now, and hopefully it stays that way. That's the way I'd like to see it. I love that. And one thing that you touched upon that really stuck with me is the the inspiring or or the aspiration to create professional level content. And like you said, you don't you kind of want to remove the gatekeepers and give people the confidence to produce on that level. Yeah, um, I, I always I anybody who knows me at this point knows that I despise gatekeepers. <laughs> they are just such an just, they're just a bore on this livelihood, on this, you know, <laughs> existence as we know it. So it, the only way that anything's ever going to change is if stuff becomes free and accessible. One reason why I love the internet, everything's free and accessible. You have the ability to kind of go out there and do your research and find what you need to find. And, you know, it allows people to connect. It allows people to come together to, you know, build and create these amazing things. So for that reason, I always try my best to give what information I can. And I hope other people do as well, because what's the point of, you know, trying to work together in this industry if you're just hiding secrets from each other? It doesn't make sense. So, Sam, we talked a lot about the future of new media and ways that might affect the voiceover industry. What's the future for Lotus? Um, So there is a very bright future. I am very excited and looking forward to what we do with Voice First. That's one big thing that Jim has always talked about. And I'm kind of seeing how it's shaping now, and I'm seeing all of the relationships that we're starting to build. So um, we really are at the cusp of creating a partnership with a brand new industry. This is, you know, been in the works for a while, but now it's kind of coming to a point where 
this is going to develop into something big. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we could do with that aspect. Also with working with more podcasts, which I'm going to be thrilled <laughs> if you can't tell I love podcasts. <laughs> so working with podcasts, working in production, working in mixing and mastering, um, it, there, there's just a lot for us here. And I'm more than happy to see what comes out of it. Before you go, tell people where they can find you. Okay, so you could find, um, you probably heard it from the last episode, but you can find Lotus Productions at L-O-T-A-S Productions at Instagram. And then it's Lotus, L-O-T-A-S Prods V-O on Instagram. Uh, no, sorry, on Twitter. And then you can find me on uh, Femgineer Sam. I'll spell it. It's F-E-M-M-E-G-I-N-E-E-R Sam. All one word, and it's the same for Instagram and Twitter. All right, fantastic. Look forward to connecting with you. All right. Thanks so much. You have a great one. That's great. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Really appreciate your insight and good luck with the future. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Jim and Sam from Lotus for speaking with us. Really great insight. And they're just two great people. I had a chance to talk to both of them at Vocation and really enjoyed uh, their company, both during the conference and then uh, for a few adult beverages and dessert with Jim, particularly at one of the one of the evening one of the evenings after the conference. I'm so jealous. I've, um, I never got to meet Jim in person, but um, before, or long before you went to vocation, my the Puget Sound voiceover meetup group that I practice with kind of regularly, they actually had him as a guest director one time. And he was just such a pleasure to work with. I mean, he's a real actor's director and he just gets it, you know? I mean, he's just such a, I mean, him and his production team are such a pleasure to work with. Uh, agreed, absolutely. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Coming up, stay tuned for an episode with Tracy Lindley, LinkedIn master whose program LinkedIn Edge has helped hundreds of voice actors grow their business using that social media network. And if you tune into that episode, we might have a way that you can get a discount on our wonderful LinkedIn Edge product. So definitely give that a listen if you're interested. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. To follow along, please visit www.vometer.com. VO Meter is powered by IPDTL. 